Have you been failing at relationships you once thought you would love forever? Are you finally ready to realize that soulmate hunting is at best a weak strategy? Then with three daily practices for the three root causes of failure, you can now take charge and build a relationship of your dreams instead of hoping and praying that one day your dreams may come true. Only with you in charge can you feel safe to open up and love again. Then you'll never have to worry that your X's and O's will ever again become X's and woes. Now here's your host, Cheryl Herbst, the world's simplest relationship strategist. Hello, everyone. I'm Cheryl Herbst, your host, and I want to warmly welcome you to today's episode of X's and O's, not X's and Woes. And I want to let you know that I'm really happy that you've tuned in today. I think that having amazing relationships with your lover and many other people in your life is the way to create a ripple effect heard around the world. Not working on this important problem can also have a ripple effect also heard around the world. To bring out this issue, I'd like to share with you today my friend and peer, Frank Mancini. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? (laughs) Great, Frank. Frank is in the health industry and therefore keeps abreast of many looming health issues. And I was chatting with him the other day, and he was telling me, well, let's let Frank tell you. Frank, go ahead and share with my audience what you were telling me the other day about depression. Statistics shows that the second debilitating, most debilitating condition worldwide after second to diabetes and obesity is going to be depression. Where did you get this statistic at? Well, this statistic comes from the Dr. Sapolsky, uh, Stanford University, professor of neuroendocrinology and neurosurgery. This was an introduction to biology. That's one of the things he speaks about. What is the reason that he feels this way? Uh, statistically, one of the many variables is social media. Social media is responsible for a lot of it. Also, it's the kind of lifestyle that we live. Part of it, it's also, if you look at the statistics amongst men and women, men today are committing suicide in a lot more numbers than women. The numbers are increasing for young men, especially in the past five years. So emotional health is definitely something that it's intensifying in the, in the rates of depression and other other disorders that are basically connected to depression. When you have pleasant experience, real time with someone, you release dopamine. Also, when you get in, if you get into an argument with someone real time, you would also release other stress hormones, right? Which they contribute to your mood and your reaction to that person, that individual in that moment. I've heard that when that happens. That's actually connected to physiology. Right, because you, you're releasing stress hormones. So yeah. what, what, what so happens... actual physical right. effect on the body. So when you're online now, just having an argument online by sending a text or sending, putting a negative comment, it's the same as having a physical altercation with someone. Mm. There's no differential. The brain doesn't know the difference. Therefore, the brain begins to release the same hormones and stress hormones. So when you do this time and time again on a daily basis, you have incredible stress that is being basically exerted on your psyche, and that causes emotional distress. Mm. And that emotional distress causes what they call depressive states. 
And that's what Dr. Sapolsky has been addressing in his lecture. And not just him, many, many people out there have been talking about this. How do we reduce this ever-increasing level of depression amongst people in our society today? My sense is we have to get down to the relationship level. When treated as a health issue, then what we do is we give people drugs. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sure they're the Mm -hmm. right answer for certain circumstances. But I think it comes back down to relationships. Absolutely. More and more disconnected, that close bond between friends and relationships and just doesn't seem to be there the way it was when I was growing up. I agree. It does come down to relationships. And I think the the better one is in managing relations, the better outcomes they're going to have with their, their emotional health, right? So I think that, like you said, there's not enough time that people take to interact with one another. We use technology to really connect all the time. So there's some sort of a emotional disconnection. And I think people are starting to withdraw from the emotional connection because there's too much pain in it. When you see people breaking up via text or or sending condolences to someone that passed away via text, which to me I find unconscionable, but it's acceptable nowadays. I think it's important to, to have a a discussion, to talk, to be there for that person, because after all, it's another human being. And to just use text in this kind of clinical, sanitized way of dealing with these emotional issues, I, I think it actually makes things worse. And one of the things that I've noticed is that there's a lot of pain in emotions with other people. So I think people are becoming less and less mm-hmm desirous to be vulnerable with other people. And I think the double-edged sword here, the more we get used to doing this, the more we we don't want to communicate anymore at the level. that's what's leading us to this depression that's looming on the horizon that's going to be very prevalent in our society because we cannot go through life being disconnected from other people. So in order to be connected with other people, I think we need a good strategy for that. And this idea that the right people are just going to cross paths with me has been kind of detrimental to us. And because we believe this, our trust in our ability to pick friends or to pick lovers just isn't working out. And therefore, we're becoming more and more distant and therefore resorting to distant tactics such as texting. And, and there's all other issues of work that are contributing to this issue. Like, for example, I grew up in, in the age of not using online connections. I think the more spontaneous, the more organic a relationship is, the more impactful it's going to be. Uh, I think using these online services, I mean, it's like, it makes me feel like I'm shopping on Amazon. It's also a contribution to the problem because I think when you're placed in a position where you can look for a mate in the same way that you're looking for purchasing groceries. But you know, Frank, I got to disagree with uh, you a little on this because for you, it's been great that you've been exposed to both worlds. For newer people coming in to the planet, 
they're not really exposed to the decades before methodology of just meeting people organically. They are subjected to the online methodologies from the moment they're born practically. And so I don't think that's going to go away. I no, I don't think to come up with a solution, not to go back into the past, but to come up with a solution that works for today's people in the world that they live in. Exactly. And that's why I think my strategy is really important because what it does is it gets down to the root causes of relationship failure. Right. But what your strategy has that it's really important is balance. What I'm saying is that there are so many complex variables that are contributing to the outcome that we see today in today's society, relying 100% on, on online services, for example, for dating. Although I may find it disrupting to me, it may be good for some other people. I actually know quite a few people in great relationships. And that's and great. found them online. And that's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. No, but here's the problem. They now need to keep them. Exactly. So, okay. yeah. So, and that's why you come in. Irrelevant of how people find those relationships, if they get into a relationship that's not working out, their solution is I found the wrong person and I need to go find the right person. I say bullshit. I think that there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people out there that are very compatible enough that you could make a great relationship with. What I think the problem is, is that people don't know how to go about making a relationship because we're handed down these old strategies from decades gone by that didn't work for our parents, don't work for us today. And the proof is in the fact that the divorce rate is at least 50%, if not higher, by some statistics. And that doesn't even include all the relationships that didn't get married. So we need a solution that actually Works And it can't be these handed down old methodologies that didn't work for relationships in my parents or my grandparents' era and still isn't working today. It's too friggin' complicated. Why does it have to be so complicated? If we just simply get down to the root causes of what's really going on, why can't we simplify it? Why can't we make it a strategy that's so easy to follow that anybody can have success with anybody that they want to be in a relationship with? Well, that, that, yeah, that would be nice to have some guidelines to follow that make sense. Not just make sense, but are also simple enough that anybody can execute and therefore create relationships that are really good. If we actually had the tools in our own hands, would we continue to go about creating failed relationships over and over? We're the ones that are creating the failed relationships. They're not just happening to us. No, I mean, and I don't think anybody wants to create pain. So um, I don't think they're doing it deliberately. Exactly. They're doing it unwittingly because they don't understand what it takes to do it right. Or they're given so many complicated ideas about what to do, and most of them revolve around actions. Like, have you ever gone on the internet and said, how can I have a great relationship? The 32 things you need to do, hold hands, have more sex, smile more, just on and on and on about all these behaviors that we have to do. And yet all these behavioral level solutions aren't really solving the problem. We need to get back to another level. And I think that that level is the communication level. Everybody knows that good communications are the root of all good relationships. That's nothing new that I'm adding to the world. But how we go about speaking love, how we go about speaking 
needs, how we go about speaking and understanding what's going on and fighting, it can only change everything. So if we have a skill set where we know how to, to make sure that love is always there in the relationship, it doesn't die after a year and a half when the honeymoon stage goes away. If we know a methodology to get create a win-win when we ask for our needs to be met instead of this win-lose strategy most people use, and if we know how to understand fighting with each other in such a way that it breeds compassion and curiosity instead of frustration and anger and why don't you grow up? If we have some skill set that allows us to solve these three problems, who wouldn't want to stay in the relationship forever? Right. And also it's important to understand what many people call fighting may not necessarily be fighting. Have you ever thought about that? No. Well, every idea, every solution is developed through resistance, meaning you have a problem, you have a challenge, that's a resistance, you're trying to find a solution, you find a solution, you overcome the problem, the challenge, and now you move on to the next challenge. Now, we got so hypersensitive that today a lot of what people may deem fights are nothing more than debates. They are being missed characterized because of the hypersensitivity of people. Right. Arguing, it's a healthy thing. It's healthy to argue about well, something, a problem. it's healthy to argue a debate. Right. It's not healthy to argue a defense because that gets you nowhere. Exactly. So when you trigger another person's old baggage and you get into these unresolved arguments, these are not debates about issues where we're trying to bring out the two sides of an issue. These are arguments about, you know, why you're behaving the way you are, why I'm behaving the way I am. And those lead nowhere many, many times because we're triggering some old emotional trauma that the person doesn't even realize that they might have. It could be so far back in their developmental years, it could be birth trauma. And yet they're being triggered by this. They have no intellectual understanding of why they're being triggered, but they just know that they're reacting. And so they're trying to make sense of it the best they can. And they throw out a bunch of stuff to their partner that makes no sense to their partner because they don't really know why they're behaving the way they are. But when we run into these kind of unresolved arguments and we throw our hands up in the air and we go, grow up, what's your problem? We're really dealing with defenses. And this is not going to be solved by a healthy debate. Okay, we have to have a skill set that helps us to understand the five developmental stages that the traumas were created in, that the defenses were created in, and then how they're impacting our adult life, and then how to simply manage Mm -hmm. them. I would also say that any problems that people have in communicating, in my opinion, they can only be solved by communicating even more. Uh, But see, I disagree with that too, because more communication in a fight like that just get you in more trouble because they don't know how to communicate what they're trying to say in a way that works. If you're willing to communicate and I'm willing to communicate, then eventually we will find common grounds as long as we are willing. Yes, and but that's not really the problem. That's a result of a problem because I didn't have the skill set in order to communicate in a way that worked. Therefore, I got frustrated and decided I'm not going to communicate anymore. 
Exactly. Okay. But if I had the skill set to, to create positive communications, I would have never gotten there in the first place. So my point is you need skill sets. Okay. And there's a way to communicate in such a way that it leaves your partner feeling fully loved. How forgiving are they going to be if they feel fully loved? How much more open are they going to be to receiving what you have to say if they feel fully loved? How would you do that? How would I do that? I would create a best practice or I would discover the best practice, which is what I've actually done for keeping love in the relationship so it doesn't die. Okay. The first one is love and to create an environment where you f- make your partner feel feel fully loved. Now, most fully of us loved. love our partners, but we don't make them feel fully right. loved. Right, and that is behavioral, of course. It's right? communication. There's a way to communicate love to your partner so that they actually feel fully loved. The best practice out there that I've run across, and I've studied a lot of them, but Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages is the best tool out there. And his premise is that everybody feels fully loved if and only if their primary love language is spoken to them daily. Another friend actually went to Gary Chapman's entire weekend course and came back and never executed. They both understood their love languages. He gave up doing something he loved on Wednesday night so that he could do acts of service with his wife because he wanted to make sure that she felt fully loved. She refused to focus on his love language and insisted on saying, well, I show love by taking care of your baby, by cleaning your house, etc." His response, because acts of service weren't primary in his love languages, was, okay, I understand that, honey, but we could hire somebody to do a lot of mm-hmm. those things so that we have more time for each other. So what, wasn't she completely cognizant that she was she yes, was failing? She, that she felt that her expression of love was the way that he should learn. Well, if you don't care, then it doesn't really matter, right? She never got the principle. That's the point. So she never learned the principle, the best practice for making sure that love was in the relationship. And guess what? They're on the verge of divorce today. And that's what happened. He felt very disappointed that he needed something that she just wasn't well, willing to if, give. If somebody refuses and then they complain about it and say, why well, don't I have love in my life? And they exactly. refuse to. So it is about choice. I mean, if you want change in your life, if you're not willing to take the steps to towards that change, to execute, then you should not be disappointed. But she is complaining and she is disappointed. And she's blaming him. She's sticking to her guns because it's an old methodology handed down by generations Mm -hmm. to say that how I give love is the only way. And as much as you're willing to sacrifice, what you need for me is how you show me you love me. Right. I say that is a recipe for disaster. Okay. so, So, Cheryl, this is what I'm getting. You say in order for me to really to be successful in in all relationships, for that matter, right? I mean, love relationship, of course, but all relationship, I, I need to make sure that I make the other person feel loved, feel love, feel be loved, That's feel love, right? Feel love, and of course, in case of a friend, it would be the same thing. Feel love. They need to feel love too. They need to feel that you have a heart that beats in their world as well. Okay, so number one is to make him feel loved. Then number two is 
I would so be to make sure that I understood the needs of my partner. Which is a great way to make them feel seen and heard also. And fulfill their needs, whatever their needs may be, right? Yeah. Because I'm fulfilling their needs as a reciprocity. They open and they, they, it would, they be willing to do whatever. It's about them wanting to do it because they're getting not just love, they're getting their values met. And everybody wants to do the things that they value the most. See, this is the methodology everybody's using now. I need to meet your needs in order to keep you happy. And supposedly that's going to make me happy. Okay, that breeds a lot of resentment. So instead of that, what do we do? Instead of that, let's flip it around. Instead of focusing on meeting the other person's needs in order to keep them happy, instead, how about focusing on how I ask for my needs to be met? Instead of asking you to sacrifice your needs in order to meet my selfish needs, Mm -hmm. why don't I ask for my needs in your value system? In other words, link what you value to what it is I need. Okay, so give me an example. I love the example that Martini uses in his book, Heart of Love. He has a wife who values spas and sleeping in, and he is more of the opposite. He's like a workaholic. He has to go travel and train, and he's going to be gone from home for like three whole weeks. So what could he do? He could go to his wife and say, hey, honey, you know, I got to go away for three weeks and travel and train, but this is how I put food on the table, and this is how I pay the rent, and get a frown and maybe into an argument by doing this. Instead, what he says is, honey, I got to go to Italy and spend some time over there training, but in two weeks, I'm going to be in Milan. And Milan has fabulous spots and it's got great shopping. I would love it if you would meet me there in two weeks. And then during the day, you could go to spots and shop. And in the evening, we could go out with each other and it would just be great. Now what's, now what's her feeling? It's her, much, yeah, I understand. She, I, she can't wait for him to leave. Right. So right? It's, 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 it's about context. In your book, what kind of advice or if you want to get your needs met in a win-win strategy align my value to your needs no align needs to To your value okay it's the complete opposite okay okay so if i can look at my partner and identify the values that they treasure they're going to want to do the things that meet their values it's a desire a willingness that i'm trying to inspire Not a, well, okay, I'll give in here if you give in there. If I have a value and I can take a value that I have and align it to your needs, that's still a win-win situation. It's the same thing in a way. The goal here is to get one's needs met. So how can we ask for our needs to be met in a way that actually works for the relationship instead of a way that breeds resentments? through sacrifice that isn't done in love. It's done merely for the purpose of picking our battles. I see that. So number one, the first thing is to make sure you make the other person feel loved. Then number two is to make sure that you align your needs with your partner's values. With your partner's values. And then number three. Well, Frank, number three is going to take too much time to complete within this episode. So... I'm going to have to stop this fascinating discussion with you and continue it in our next episode, number eight. And to you, my awesome listeners, if you are enjoying this interview, 
Tune in next week and hear more about how a better relationship strategy has the potential to ward off this upcoming epidemic and depression by 70%. That's an amazing amount. In the meantime, if you have a question you'd like answered or a scenario you'd like discussed, please drop me a line at podcast at afraidtoloveagain.com. And also remember that you could go to my website, afraidtoloveagain.com and get a free PDF copy of my book, How to Keep Your X's and O's from Becoming X's and Woes. Well, that's a wrap for today. I'm looking forward to being with you next week. And bye for now. We thank you for tuning in to X's and O's, not X's and Woes. We know you have many options, so we promise this podcast series to be a good investment in you. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. We're also eager to hear how well you liked it, so please rate and review us on whichever channel you use. Remember, the goal is for you to feel safe so you can open up to love again and know that you can keep it glowing for decades to come. It is possible and you can do it. You're not alone. So let's do this thing and do it together. We'll see you next time.